0: Welcome to the Hairdryer Treatment Podcast That is right, we are back After quite a long time off actually Today we are going to be delving into the depths of the Premier League title battle As Liverpool's unbeaten run in Anfield comes to an end And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Manchester United sit atop the Premier League title Who'd have thunk it? I'm your host and resident Geordie Kieran And today I'm joined by Chelsea and Rangers fan Luke Burnley (laughs) Liverpool fan Andy Shut at you (laughs) And party Thistle supporter Steve.
1: Oh, this is going to
0: be fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Again, I, I think given the events that unfolded at Anfield last night, that's the only real logical place for us to start. Um, in case you somehow missed that news in the last couple of days, Liverpool lost 1 0 to Burnley in a game that ended their stunning 68 game unbeaten streak at home. Uh, the last loss at Anfield actually came 1,370 days earlier when Palace beat them back in April 2017. It's a very impressive run. But after missing a number of chances, Liverpool conceded the penalty quite late on, and Ashley Barnes made no mistake in punishing the Reds for all their missed chances. Andy, that's no league wins since the 7-0 thrashing of Palace back on December 19th. You sit six points behind the leaders' Man United. Is the title off the cards now, or are you still just
2: about in the hunt? I, I think, unfortunately, I do think we're out of it. I do think... With that injury, injury you've had, I think we've dropped too many points already. And I do think we have got a chance still because of the fact that it has is still quite no other team has really got on a good run of form together. Maybe apart from one team we'll mention in a bit. But I do think we got a chance because of that reason. But I just can't see the way he has gone and the amount of injuries you've had and our squad depth. I just don't, I just can't see myself. As winning it unfortunately I think we can still maybe do well in the Champions League and maybe get a run together in that but I, I I do fear unfortunately that it will be someone else that will win the league this season
0: yeah I mean Luke if you're looking at the if you're looking at the league table and you're looking at the form table especially it's not good it's not good viewing if you're a red
3: it's it's really not and and I think that the biggest problem for them, and, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit later, is you're taking all your impact players out of midfield and playing them in defence. And so you're actually depriving your team of, of a lot of the players like Henderson, you know, and, and, and co because they're, they're obviously putting everyone in. They really need to get a centre half and They should have done it, you know, at the start of this month instead of waiting. And, you know, I know they've been affected by the pandemic, but they could have paid a loan fee, for example, and got somebody decent. And I think they're paying a the price for it, unfortunately. I did speak to Sean Dyche earlier, actually, and he said that he was very, very angry, actually. He said he was really angry because he had nothing to be angry about. And, and that really made him more angry than anything. So, uh, you know, that kind of sums it up, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, as you guys might have expected, uh, Andy has been getting it a bit in the group chat there.
1: <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> Just a little bit. Sorry, Andy.
1: <laughs> I thought I, we'd been quite restrained, personally. <laughs> says the man leading the charge. <laughs> it's only, it's only a couple of memes uh, and a couple
0: of jokes. Um, so. All in good fun. All in good fun. Steve, the problem, the problems that Liverpool have had at the back this season are quite well documented with the likes of Virgil van Dijk and Joe Gomez missing through injury. Um, however, they still haven't netted a single goal in the league in 2021, albeit that's just a few games. Um What's happened to
1: that irresistible attacking force we all waxed lyrical about last season? I think one of the key things that, that, that we're missing here is we, we're all talking about, oh, when Dyke and Gomez are gone, and he's a, they're, they're a bit more vulnerable at the back. Actually, at the back, Liverpool this season haven't looked too bad.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but what they're lacking is influence, and uh, what they're lacking is the centre forwards, the centre backs getting forward, getting those set piece goals that were so crucial last season. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can count on one hand the number of goals at the back four scored and that includes Trent Alexander-Arnold who's having a bit of a form slump himself um, they're not getting up there, they're not supporting the forward line and you're starting to see that suffer um, I think it, th- there's more to it than that Some, something is a little bit rotten in the house of Anfield, um, there's a confidence issue here uh, and I think not having Van Dijk, not having your leader in the team um, I don't think Henderson's quite he's not He's not geeing everybody up quite the way mm. that, that he could when Van Dyke was there to back him up.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: When you have that that big, powerful you know, presence behind you, uh, and you talk about how Henderson, Wijnaldum, and Fabinho don't get forward as much, and again, that's because there's that little bit of a worry of what's behind me. Mm-hmm. There's no Van yeah. know, I, I don't want to abandon my position. I don't want to go on that 60-yard run just in case.
0: Yeah. Um. Do you think there's maybe, like, in the same way we often say um, they've started to believe their own hype, do you think Liverpool's players, Andy, have maybe started to believe their own criticism in the press and believe the the analysts and stuff who are looking at that team and going, Liverpool, with no Virgil van Dijk? Nah, they're rubbish without Virgil van Dijk. Do you think that maybe they've started to look at that and believe it a little bit?
2: Potentially, and I do think one thing we haven't touched on is the fact that I think... Um, Jota was maybe paping over the cracks in our attack because um, he was a man getting the goals at one point when the other mm. players weren't and I do think the fact we played him in that, in that meaningless game against and when we already threw his group winners and he got injured in that game I think that could be a decision that really haunts us for the season because he was the one getting the goals, we I mean it was off form but Jota was getting the goals so I do think he's been a, a bigger miss than we all thought he would and I do think you're right about this, I think we do miss sort of Matip and Van Dijk in those corners but I do think it's no coincidence that we've got a great record against the top six, but we've got a really bad records against the bottom six. So I do think there's complacency in terms of, I think Liverpool will always be up for the big games. I think we'll always be up for these games against Man City, against, against Chelsea, against Arsenal. But I think this season especially, I think against the smaller teams, I do think that we have struggled because I do think maybe because we're champions, we maybe do get complacent for that reason. But I do think um, that West Brom game really did sort of remind everyone that that's how you can beat us, that's how you can get results, by just playing playing Parker park the best, I do think, because that game, Big Sam was typical Big Sam. I and mean, then since then, Steve Bruce did it against us. Obviously, Sean Dice mm-hmm. did it against us. Ollie did it against us and Man U. Albeit they were much more attacking than the other teams around. And even Samson, as soon as they got the goal, how often do they get forward apart from that goal? And I do think uh, that game against West Brom has really made teams realise that this is how you can beat Liverpool. This is how you can get draws, is, is, by, is by playing defensively, by sitting back and letting them play. Because... Yeah we've always done well against teams that have played like big, good football. So like we played against Spurs and even though against Mourinho, they were playing some good stuff. And I do think overall, I do think now teams have, have realised recently that if you just let, let, let us play and don't go too much forward, then that's how you can stop us.
0: Luke, since Christmas, Liverpool's form, Liverpool's results are uh, 1-1 with West Brom, 0-0 mm. with Newcastle. 1-0 loss to, uh, to Southampton, 0-0 with Manchester United, and now the 1-0 loss to Burnley.
3: Yeah. What's going on It's It's terrible, terrible form. And, and I think um, what, what's interesting is that you, you, we all know that the Klopp system is very much a high-energy system dominating the space. Uh, and I think, I, I mean, I, I will come back to this and I keep banging on about this, but I do think if you're missing powerhouses in the middle of your midfield who are dominating the space and are you know, providing that sort of um, thing, and then if you com- combine that with um, you know with the fact that Firmino and 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 you know the other forwards are are all out of form as well, then you've got a bit of a perfect storm, really. So I, I do wonder genuinely what's going on. Um, I, I what I did pick up on was Klopp said. Um, someone else is making the decisions when it comes to transfer deals, and that kind of hints that he's a wee bit unhappy as well. So there is a general unhappiness and a kind of lack of leadership in that in that dressing room, as Steve sort of alluded to. And I think it's really interesting to see what happens uh, from now on. I do think it's a stick on that they're going to get a centre back, in and you know, in the next week while, because I think that's shown already. They need to do something. Uh, who they get, I don't know, but you know, obviously they need to do something.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, the thing that struck me about last night's game um, was, and Andy may be a little bit too young to remember this, but um, I remember when Liverpool's they had an abundance of attacking midfield talent and a relatively mm. strong kind of midfield and defend, but they had a complete yeah. lack of width. And that was under Hulia. And I remember mm. the fans crying out about it every single week, saying, where are our yeah. winners? Where are the guys getting yeah. round the back? Where are the guys putting the ball into the box mm. for our mm. forwards to attack? And one of the things, I think Liverpool managed to get a single cross in against Burnley last, uh, that yeah. night. And this is something yeah. that historically has always hurt teams. Teams that mm. lack width uh, struggle to beat teams that play a packed defence. And that mm. is where Liverpool really, really had problems last night. I mean, I, I looked at the stats. They had 18 chances last night. They got six of them on target. Um, and almost everything else they threw in, you know block, 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 block. Mm. I mean, Burnley, you know, mm-hmm. the heroics were fantastic, they were throwing themselves at everything, but that's what you expect from a Dutch team. Um, yep. there was no, there was just no, the, the fullbacks didn't seem to be quite as committed, uh, as they were last season, and they haven't been since Van Dyke left the team. You haven't seen maybe, the overlaps. maybe they're worried, Steve, yeah, maybe
3: they're, they're actually worried that they're going to concede, so they're naturally, you know, curbing their their, their attack in sort of which,
1: gusto. Which makes no sense, because one of the things about Liverpool, one of the things that won them the title was that complete, you know, all out, gung-ho, right, it's Absolutely. the 93rd minute, let's well, just pile mm-hmm. in, let's get everybody forward, let's go wide, let's go left, let's, let's just, everybody just throw caution at the wind. And I think it's not there this season. That kind of gung-ho approach that you need isn't there. And those last minute, you know, 90, 91, 92 minute goals which really were the, the hallmark of, of Klopp's team's title run, just aren't happening.
2: Andy? Yeah, I do think that's one big thing. I think it is the intensity, because I do think um, mostly when we, hit, we lost Champions League final, next season we had an agenda to try and win Champions League again. We had an agenda to try and win the league for the first time in 20-odd years, 30 years. And then next season we were trying to uh, uh, avenge losing the league by having 97 points. And I do think now... We've got nothing, we're obviously be trying to retain the title, but there's nothing really there, I don't think, as much to go for. I do think as well, with the whole going back to the centre-back issue, I remember when uh that summer before we bought Van Dijk, we all saying then, why, why aren't Liverpool buying a, a different centre-back? Why aren't we getting a different centre-back? And we never did, and we all wondering, and obviously loads of issues happened in that season, obviously we all wondering, oh, this is why Klopp should have bought a centre-back, and obviously then he did buy Van Dijk eventually. But mm-hmm. so I do think he's got something up his sleeve in the summer, maybe, and I do think... Um, I don't think Klopp just buys players for the sake of it I think he wants to wait for the right player So I do think he's got something maybe planned For the summer transfer window coming up Because he, he did that last time And it worked wonders getting Van Dijk in the end Rather than just buying a player for the sake of it So I do think mm-hmm. next season Could be one to watch out for once Van Dijk's back And obviously once we have all our players fully fit Jota as well, I do think next season We could be something to, to look out for But yeah, I do think that That intensity is just lacking So maybe if we do do struggle this season, maybe that next season there will be that intensity, that that, sort of aim to sort of get back to win the league once again. I mean, there's been um,
0: quite a lot said about the intensity of games, not just in Liverpool's fixtures this season, but across the whole Premier League. and I think a lot a lot of that has something to do with the fact there's a, that there's a lack of fans in stadiums as well. And mm. I think you just see that the, the players don't... There's maybe like 20% of the intensity, not quite that we don't see as much um, as we do basically when the Premier League grounds are full. Um, and I think there's some teams that benefit from that and there's some teams that really, really suffer because of that. And I think one of them that you're seeing... Is Sheffield United, who are rock bottom of the Premier League table, Mm. because I think that has a lot to do with it, because their form dropped off a cliff as soon as fans were stopped, stopped from being allowed inside Mm -hmm. the ground, Um, and if we remember rightly, Liverpool didn't end last season particularly strongly either, so their form Mm. kind of dipped as well. So, do we think that that could have maybe something to do with it, Steve? Uh,
1: Yeah, a little bit. I, I think that you can't underestimate what it feels like when you you know you're charging forward. In the, the 90th minute of a game, and there's like 50,000 fans around you, just screaming your name, going "Come on, you know, get behind you!" Um, it makes it does make that that extra five, ten percent to a player. Um, I think one of the interesting things about that is that um, if you look at Klopp's history, once Klopp finally won the title with Dortmund, he had problems in his second season as well. Uh, and you ask, you look at any manager, and especially in the Premier League, winning the title is one thing, but defending it is another. I mean, we we are talking about Liverpool here as though they're in some kind of crisis, some kind of slump. They are still only six points behind in one of the most topsy-turvy leagues we've had, probably in living memory. And um, they're not out of this yet, you know. And if, if Klopp does, as you say, pick up a, an influential centre back, even on loan for six months, I says he could still turn this around.
2: Andy, mm. yeah, and I I do agree with completely. The fact that I do think we are one of the the best teams in terms of having that 12th man, I do think. Um, obviously I think I, that we saw that end of last season when he came back um, I actually got a DVD for Christmas uh, End of the Storm I uh, sort of the story about our winning league season sort of they the interview, mm-hmm. all the players and Klopp and Klopp was talking about the fact that it's really hard to motivate your team when there's something going on so big outside of football so I do think maybe that's got maybe this goes for many managers maybe there's a thing of maybe there's less maybe, maybe he's just not quite sort of the team's not quite there because maybe there's obviously all the stuff going on behind closed doors, behind scenes, maybe, I don't know whether that has anything to do with it, I don't know, that could be complete rubbish, but I do think maybe, I don't know, I think there's no coincidence that the form has dropped off since he came back from the, the break. So I do think, I do think certainly the lack of fans has played, played an impact. I do think when we got uh, a singing, fans singing players' names, obviously singing You Never Walk Alone, Fields of Anfield Road, yeah. all these different things we sing, I do think without that, and also playing playing song two doesn't same playing Blair song two doesn't help as well. I do I do think that's a massive turn off for any player uh, in a game. But I do think yeah, I do think the lack of fans has made a massive impact to certain teams. But I think we're definitely one of the biggest sufferers from that.
0: I think, um, just moving it back to the transfer situation, because there was obviously that quote from Klopp saying that he's not the person making transfer decisions at the club, which would suggest to me that the person making transfer decisions at the club is likely somebody like Michael Edwards. Um, But you look at the transfer room as in the press, and I know that's not always the most reliable place to get your transfer news from. um, But Liverpool aren't even being linked with moves for centre-backs. The, the, the people true. in the press today are Declan Rice and Adama Traore. They're the names oh. I've seen mentioned today. Um, and I I don't think either answer. of them, uh, both of them are good players, don't get me wrong, but neither of them are the answer to the question that Liverpool fans are currently asking, which is how on earth are we going to continue to defend
3: all of the rest of this season using two holding midfielders as our centre-back pair? Declan Rice could be a really good long-term replacement for Henderson, though, I think. So he's a solid player to,
1: to buy for them. But it's not the answer for right now, for sure. Andy? I think one of the big problems here is that uh, with Michael Edwards in charge of the transfer policy, and there's is no slight on them because they've done very well on this historically, um, Liverpool always have an eye to the future in buying players. I mean, for, for example, it's like Chelsea needed to shore up a hole, so they went out and signed a 34-year-old experienced at national centre-back. Um, I don't think Liverpool will do something like that. They've always got one eye on the future. They're not looking at players to just, just for this season. They're looking for a two, three-year, four-year, you know, and possibly a resale. Uh, and when you've got some, you know, someone who's there at the behest of the board, yeah, he's working well with Klopp. But at the end of the day, the person that, that, that the bottom line is the board tells him, you know, we need to make money off our players. We need to look at player resale. We need to look at value in our players. And Edwards takes that into consideration probably more than Klopp saying, "I need a centre back that will last me six months."
0: Absolutely, uh, Michael Edwards is an
1: outstanding
0: uh, negotiator. He's an outstanding operator in terms of the way he does things. But if he's, I don't necessarily think he, he's the man to go out and get you that player that you desperately need now. As um, as Steve mm. was saying, Andy, what needs to be done? Like you've got you got a transfer window, you have got. Uh, oh, I want to say eight days remaining of it. Who, what needs to be done if Liverpool like to turn this around?
2: Well, the first man I can think of is a centre back from France called Diot Upamancano, the Leipzig centre back. I think he's absolutely perfect. Yeah. If we can get him, I don't think we will because I think he's too, uh, I think he's too, I think Leipzig will want to keep hold of him. But I do think if we can get him, absolutely go and get him. Um, And also, if not, maybe someone like Koulibaly. I think he's also a good player. But I do think maybe. There's a reason why no one's bought him yet. Maybe they're selling, holding him back. Mm. But um, yeah, he's someone else I'd like as well. Uh, apart from that, um, I've heard calls that we shouldn't have sold Lovren, but that that that, that, should, that definitely should have been sold. I don't <laughs> agree with anyone saying that we should have kept him. <laughs> um, in terms of, I think maybe we do need another attacker. I do think we need someone. I mean, I've heard I've heard links of resigning Coutinho. I think that would be good because he is. I don't think we I think we would like him back, but I don't think he, but we will take him back. But I think he's someone I would like to bring back, if we can get him. Uh, mm-hmm. Apart from that, I think just, if he can get some sort of attacker in, obviously, obviously when the front three are firing, we need, we need someone to come off the bench to really make an impact. I mean, Divock he had had his chances last night, had that one chance, that one-on-one, thanks to Ben Meane, he just couldn't take it. So I do think we need uh, maybe just... Some, just better squad depth more than anything else because we need someone to come off the bench when our front three isn't firing when our midfield isn't playing well we need someone to come off the bench to change the game Yeah, I mean um, obviously there's talk of, of um, probably fans dreaming but talk of Mbappe and Halland I don't think we'll get them but if we can kind of get them in the summer that'll be an amazing signing but I just don't think we will um, yeah so I, I think we've we got to trust Klopp I've seen, I've seen all these Klopp out hashtags and I think that's absolute bollocks in my opinion um, <laughs> I do think I think fans are getting too carried away themselves. So I do think we just need to trust Klopp, trust what he's doing. Um, And I think we need to, um, even if just one season is right off, we've had two or three amazing years. So I think if we have one year where we don't win a trophy, I don't think we should be too unhappy because we won more trophies in the last three years than we've won in the last twenty years combined. So I do think we should just trust the process um, and just um, maybe. Have the seasons right off and just few as one of those things, all the injuries and stuff like that. VAR, so I do think maybe just look at next season and trying to build for the for next season and so on and so on.
0: I think in terms of the centre back argument, the only person I've seen that I've seen you guys linked with in the last few months, even who is realistic in January, in my opinion, is Ozan Kabak from Schalke.
2: Yeah, I've heard him as well. I've never seen him play, but I'm sure you have, being a being a Schalke admirer. Yeah, well, like, it's like you say, I'm a
0: Schalke supporter. And as much as I don't want to see Ozan Kabak leave, although he, he did kind of cost us the game the other day, not the point. Um, as much as I wouldn't, I don't want to see Ozan Kabak leave, in Schalke's financial situation at the moment, if they were offered, say, 30 35 million for a player like Ozan Kabak, they can't afford to turn that down. Mm. So that is basically... At this time, like players like Diogo Moriano, who are crucial to teams who just simply don't need to sell it to sell. Yeah, that's not going to happen in January. Maybe in the summer, not in January. Someone like mm-hmm. Ozan Kabak, who is yes crucial to the team, but at a team who are desperate for money, that is where you need to be looking. And I think if you could, if I think if we see Liverpool sign a centre back in the next two in the next week in a bit. I think that's probably the only real choice from the names I've heard mm. mentioned. Mm. Steve?
1: Yeah, on, on the Opamakano uh, deal, that's actually pretty much a done deal already. It looks as though it's, uh, he's going to Bayern for 40000000 million. He's got a, a release clause. Um, one of the guys you mentioned there was Koulibaly. Now, Koulibaly's been mentioned to come to the Premier League um, for pretty much every one of the top six clubs at some point in the last two years. Um, but a simple fact that will stop him coming is that, yeah, he's in his prime, Um which means he costs a lot of money and he doesn't have a release clause the way that uh, some of the other targets uh, do. Uh, and based on that, I says, Napoli's chairman's been playing hardball with every team that's, that's come with an offer for him. and uh, They've been looking at like 60, 70 million for him. They have already come in the same re- you know, region as Van Dijk. Um, and to be honest, play, paying that kind of money for a player in their prime, um, it's just not Liverpool's way. Uh, the other thing I would say about uh, Coutinho is... I actually feel Coutinho wouldn't fit in the, in Klopp's process right now. Now I think um, Coutinho doesn't bring that energy, that press, that you know, uh, passion yep. that you're gonna need uh, to get to turn this around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with the way Klopp's team is playing, uh, I don't think he's looking for a player like that. I think he's looking for a player who's more. I mean, Traore would fit that mould, but um, one of the things about Traore this season is he's been a, you know, he's been like a, a 20, 25, 30 minute kind of player. He's a, a burst off, off the bench player. He's not someone you start, um, and then you know they, they run the game for you. Uh, like, like Yota, I think he's a kind of he's a wide player that can come in, you know, be, be a pretty good striker. He's a lot more of a winger than Yota. Yota can be an out and out striker, whereas like scoring record is absolutely painful if you're a Wolves fan. Um, yeah, <laughs> don't think he's scoring over a year now. No, I mean mm. he, he, I mean he terrorizes defenses and he, he puts in a great cross, but it's it's then about having that. That center forward that will really, you know, throw them Salah attack it. Um, and to be honest, no disrespect, that's not Firmino. Um, you know, you have to hope that he's gonna kind of overplaying the crosses so it's going through, you know, to, to Mane or Salah on the other side because, you know, Firmino's records um, from, from cross balls is not actually that great.
2: One thing, one thing I will say, though, uh, about i I've, I've watched, obviously watched us for 20-odd years playing. The best I've seen this play going forward is that six months where we had all four. So we only had Coutinho, Firmino, Mane and Salah. I've never seen our attack be as good than that six months we had. with that, but no, before Obviously, before Coutinho left for Barca, we only had all four available. That's the best I've seen as attack ever. That's the best I've seen our attack be because we were just that six months. Shame we couldn't defend at the time, but I do think that's <laughs> the best I've seen as terms of as an attacking threat. Well,
1: I, I disagree with that. I mean, I, I remember back to the kind of the Suarez and Sturridge when they were on fire with Gerrard mm. behind them. And I thought that time that you looked absolutely devastating going forward every time. I, I thought whenever Liverpool got the ball in the in the opposition half, we were going to score. Yeah, um, I uh, didn't that think that's so much against with Coutinho. I thought what I saw with Coutinho was when you had games like, like for example, last night, where you're playing against a really packed team, um, you know, that, that's the one where you kind of, you, you you mess around on the edge of the box. You, you look for some kind of set piece or you, you look for somebody to ping it in 25, 30 yards. And that wasn't there last night. And that's that's something continue would bring to your team.
2: Mm, definitely.
1: Well, it's certainly going to be an interesting week
0: or two in the, in the world of Liverpool to see who, or even if they sign anybody. But from one end of the spectrum to the complete opposite end, we come to Manchester United, who... I mean, well, throughout his time at uh, Manchester United, it's always felt as though Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been one game away from the sack, really. So that's at least that's how the media have made it seem. Um, But at the moment, his team are on complete fire and they sit atop the Premier League table, two points above Cross City rivals Manchester City, um, even though uh, City do have a game in hand, (laughs) I think. Um, Luke, after the 6-1 humiliation against Spurs earlier in the season, it looked as though Ole's... Days were numbered, really. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. since then, things have changed very much. Well, for the better. What's? Yeah. What, what is it that has changed?
3: I, I, I honestly, I think it's. Um, I was looking at the stats, but I think I think they've just found the right sweet spot for them to to you know to be more consistent in the longer term. Uh, you know, you can't underestimate what Fernandez has done for the team in terms of driving them on. He's actually emerged as a real leader of the team, actually. And and him and, and, and Pogba seem to have found a nice way of working together. Um, in my head, I can't see it lasting, you know, because I just don't see that they've got the the kind of overall um, depth of squad and quality and depth that, that we, we need to see. Um, but they the like to look Shaw's playing very well. um Rizac is having a, a good time. So you know, they're certainly making hay while well, the sun shines. I don't think they're going to win the league, but they've done very well so far. And I really hate saying that because I just don't like Man United at all. So, yeah. uh, Andy, sick, by the way,
0: <laughs> we're coming to another Manchester United hater, and
3: uh, Andy, Andy,
2: oh, it's-
3: Andy's just about to kill himself, actually, isn't he? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, see, Manu doing well as they are, and um, Liverpool doing bad. It's not been a good, it's not been a good few weeks since we last spoke on the podcast.
3: No. But
2: mm. I do think Manu. I do think there's another team, Manchester, that will pick up to league, but I do think. Yeah. And you've got a great chance. I do think that it is also down to the league not being as, I sort of, it being as wide open. As it is this? I think other years mm-hmm. they wouldn't be anywhere near the top table if it was, if teams were doing better. I do think this season they are being a bit fortunate by the fact that no one around them is really playing that well all season long. But I do think they've got obviously, Fernandez has been a massive change in that he's what he won four Player of the Month awards in um 2020. Um, I think he's been the best signing in the Premier League probably since Van Dyke. I'd say in terms of impact. Mm-hmm. I do mm-hmm. think um, I do think that obviously, obviously Ollie's got experience in winning Premier Leagues as a player. So I do think he can bring that to the team. I do think Pogba's really been good the last few weeks. I think he's his form's also made an impact. Uh, I just think they've managed to find the right team now. They seem to not really. They seem to have the right sort of uh, formation, the right sort of team. And I do think they could have won that game against us on on them um, last weekend. So I do think they have a chance definitely because I do think it'll be interesting what happens when both. Teams, or all the teams play Europe again. So I do think when like Leicester, obviously as, uh, mm. obviously manu of Man City it would be interesting what happens when they all start playing more regular games. But I think for me, yeah, I think that they definitely are a team that everyone should, should be worried about because I do think they are playing, playing good football now. They're not, they're not playing sort of exciting football, but they're they're just playing again. The wins, they're getting gritty one nils, two ones. I do think that sometimes is what a team needs. I don't think. You have to win the league by playing nice football. You can win games mm. by almost being um sort of being mm-hmm. in that way, sort of being just winning games, getting being nitty-gritty, getting the gritty wins and just so I do think mm-hmm. yeah, they're definitely a team that everyone should everyone should be worried about.
0: Steve, um Andy mentioned Bruno Fernandez there. And over the last year since he signed for United, he's gone plenty of acclaim for his form. Um, but I think in the last week especially, he's also taken um, quite a bit of flack for allegedly failing to show up in the big games. Um, that obviously came off the back of a, a fairly lackluster performance against Liverpool. Do you think that allegation is fruitful? And if so, do you think it could potentially end up hurting Man United in the long run?
1: No, I don't think so. I think when, when you've got a team who, I mean, as we've just said for the last five minutes that Fernandez right now is United. Um, we talked about how Pogba's going to come on. He, he's he's, uh, he's playing better. He's more you know more central to the team. And part of the reason for that is the more Fernandez plays, the better Fernandez plays. The more teams try to mark him out of the game. Yeah. Um, Fernandez is still there. He's still the same threat. Um, he's still making the same runs. He's still you know creating the same space around him for the likes of Martial and Rashford and and Pogba coming in behind him. But he is so much more tightly marked now. And he needs to add that aspect to his game. of He needs to, to be able to get away from the defenders to make himself more of an influence in the big team, big games. Now, mm-hmm. uh, against, like you say, a Burnley or a a, a Wolves or anything else, you know, you, no disrespect, you're not playing against the same quality of of holding mm-hmm. midfielder that's going to stick to you like glue. Um, whereas when he comes into the big games, he is trapped everywhere. He doesn't get the space, and he thrives on the space. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember mm-hmm. watching a couple of his games where it's like he just. He, he, he just if he gets like a bite, couple of yards on you, suddenly he'll make a dart and run, uh, and he's got creative players around him that will find that. Mm. And that, you know, mm-hmm. and that's it. And the other thing about Fernandez is the number of times United have won games by a single goal, and it's been through Fernandez. Um, it, it, you know, it's phenomenal. Um, and mm. when he plays the big teams, I don't think he goes missing. I think he just gets marked out the game, and he needs to add that aspect to his game. But fortunately for United, um, the space that's created has allowed Pogba to come in and, and step back into his own. Mm. I think Pogba's confidence is rising. I've always said since the start of the season, uh, if Pogba can get his head in the game, United can win games. And that's that's where they are just now. Uh, I'd go with what Andy said. I'm not entirely sure on the title credentials. But having said that, what we watched last season was teams that they were grinding out, or Liverpool were grinding out those one-goal wins scoring in the last 5, 10, 15 mm-hmm. minutes, and you always thought they carried a threat going forward in the last 10, 15 minutes. And that's mm-hmm. United this season. It's not Fergie time, but it's it's getting there. Yeah, I mean, Luke, is it, just
0: coming around to you on that conversation, I guess, is it too early yeah. to say United are in with a real chance of
3: winning the title? Do <sighs> you know what? It, it's it's interesting. I just can't see it. I I, I do think they are going to they can't keep this going. I don't see that they've got the quality overall in their squad to keep this going. I think mm-hmm. they, they will. It only takes one or two injuries, as we all know, to, to, to derail things in at the moment. They, they've been very fortunate, but they'd have to stay very fortunate to, to really make that challenge. I do think that I stick on to the top four, however, again, yeah. much as I hate to say it, you know, but I don't think they'll win.
0: Yeah, I'm just looking at um, our tables to see if anybody did have them in the top four. Um, and Luke, Luke, you had them fourth. Andy, you had them yep. fourth. Um, Steve, you had them fifth this season. Do we all sort of sit, sort of stick by those predictions? Anyone wish to change that? Higher, please. Higher. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm probably not in third by now. Yeah, yeah. but that's much third. to do with the fact that there's another team there in blue that have completely collapsed.
0: And yeah, I think,
2: uh,
0: <laughs> well, we're going to move on to another team in blue here. Um, Andy, I know he's been itching to talk about them. Um, so moving across Manchester, the uh, United so-called noisy neighbours, Manchester City are very much back in the hunt for the title this term after a pretty poor start to the season. They now just sit two points behind United with a game in hand. Um, they're on a run of six league wins in a row and have conceded just one goal in those six games. Mm. And then even that was to the big spending attacking force that is Chelsea. Chelsea. So, Andy, are City now the favourites to win the league this season?
2: One hundred percent. I think they're the only team that have had a consistent run of form going. Um, they've turned John Stones into a. He's actually having a good season, which we never thought would happen. Uh, I thought we all thought he was going to be a flop, but he's had a really good season. I think Ruben Diaz has proven to be a Zaki, the player that he was hoped up to be. I think he's been an excellent addition. Mm-hmm. I and mean, the fact that Laporte's not even getting a game uh, when he's now mm-hmm. fit, I think that really shows. How much improvement John Stones has made, but also mm-hmm. how good they've been defensively. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think the Bruins has been quite at his best. I don't think they have been. He's out for at... six weeks as well. Yeah, yeah. He he's actually just week. been ruled out for six weeks. Yeah,
0: get him out of your fantasy teams, just...
2: boys. Hannou. He was out long ago. He was out long ago. But I do think. I just think. Yeah, I think they're just a bit like Manu, but a better in a better way. I think they're just getting out wins, are grinding out wins. I do think obviously, um, you saw the game against Philadelphia today, that was a great game, but I do think that was a game where you thought, oh wow this team can get the gritty wins, and they, that was just a, you know, the goal from Gundogan, all bit, probably was offside uh, it was it was a great goal so I think, yeah, I think City definitely a team for me are the favourites, and I think what we saw in the League Cup semi-final, I think we saw just the difference in, in talent between Man and Man City, I do think that will be the difference, I do think City are just Way the better team, so I do think for me that is why I think City will uh, win it. But don't don't cut out Brendan Rogers. That's what that's all I'm saying. <laughs> mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously we'll get to, we'll get down to that, but I mean, Luke, I think Andy mentioned it there, and I think a big part of City's mm. upturn and form has been their defensive ability, um, yes. which. In recent season, has been the main flaw in Pep Guardiola's team has been absolutely. sort of penchant for conceding goals quite a lot. And um, mm-hmm. yet, if you actually look at the stats this season, they've conceded four fewer than any other team in the league. Um, yeah, but just how important do you think Ruben Diaz has been to that, to that, to to the system? Um,
3: and was he maybe just like the missing part of that back four? He's a top quality player, isn't he? I mean, every time you see him, he's he's absolutely solid. And I think. Um, it's obviously been a while since we've, we've talked about City, but they they've obviously found the right way to do it, and I think Diaz is is one of the the solid you know stones of you know the the foundation stones almost of of uh, you know what will prove to be a successful title challenge at the end of it. Um, he's been amazing. You've got to say actually, City look like the favourites now, don't you? You really have to, you know. Um, yeah. And again, you know that's that's one of these things. United fans are probably going to disagree with me, but I I think I can't see past City now. I think they've got a lot of good players, and you know, it's almost inevitable in my view.
0: Well, if they win that game in hand that they've got, then they jump back with they jump to the top of the table for the first time this season, it. I believe. So That's it, exactly, exactly. Um, it is quite hard to see them giving it up from there. Um, mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's a, it's been an interesting watch so far. But City aren't the only other team around. Um, there are a yeah. few others um, who will sort of try and get through on one one big go. Uh, Leicester currently sits third in the table. I yeah. mean, that's a that's a position that historically I'd say I was surprised to see them in, but nowadays it seems just somewhat normal. Um, testament to how good of a job has been done there by Rodgers and the upper the staff a bit further up. I know you don't particularly like him, though, uh, <laughs> which I'll let you get on to in a bit. Meanwhile, Tottenham sit fifth and big spenders Chelsea have fallen to eighth uh, after yet another loss this week, this time with Brendan Rodgers as Leicester, interestingly. Um, that's six losses this season, more than every other team in the top half, except Arsenal, which is yeah. uh, somewhat damning because Arsenal were joked at and laughed at for having been in a relegation fight early on this season. So you know, um it's not a great stuff. Still start. are
3: getting joked at and laughed at though to be fair. You know, they are because they are still amazing.
0: they are because that their <laughs> win over Newcastle, which let's be honest, was a gimme, um got them into the top half for the first time this season. So you know it's been a slog just, for us. Just to kind of throw mm. one
1: back there, look, you you've got the stats up there Kieran them um, what's the, the form like in the last five games between Arsenal and Chelsea? Oh. I, I don't I think that Luke should be in any kind of position to be laughing right now. <laughs> um, yes. Form table
0: uh, on the form poor. table, Arsenal sit fifth, Chelsea sit eleventh.
3: I know, Chelsea have gone lose draw lose win lose, and Arsenal win 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 win, win draw win.
1: So so, so that, they, that, have, awesome. you know, they have. You know they have five form. with four wins. That doesn't feel yes. like a team that I would be laughing at at all. That's a team I'd be worried about. I, but I still like laughing at them
0: though.
3: So right. there are only two There are only two
0: places behind <laughs> you in the league, though. I think uh... they
3: are. I know they are, and that's a bit troubling for me, to be honest. And and we're still, we're past, We're behind West Ham. Uh-huh, no, that's yeah. like punch. That's like punching yourself in the face with you know like a with a spoon or something. It's just what's it the point? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and then another team that was behind. Ham then another team that you're behind are Everton who are sitting in sixth and they're I only know. eight points off the top but have two games in hand over the lead as Man United so win those two games and they could be right in the mix Luke obviously well, I've got to start with you so Chelsea's form yeah. it's fallen off a cliff um, the big money signings aren't performing as you'd hoped and the fans are beginning to turn on a man who well, they've worshipped as a as a god during his career
3: um, yeah absolutely
0: where, where did Chelsea go from here
3: it's this is the thing so, so I think Chelsea the hierarchy have got to take a decision right now they've got to say right do we write this season off and, and give Lampard a season to, to you know to, to build himself and, and, and hope that everyone delivers next year or do they make a change in and sign someone like Thomas Tuchel as their manager and hope that he brings the best out of Werner and Havertz and, and honestly I'm not sure um, the form has been brutal and, and actually watching them has been like spending a year in prison. It's been really bad, really bad. It's like watching Arsenal, actually, a lot of the time, to be honest with you. It's how bad it is. David Louise and stuff like that. <laughs> um...
1: except, except they win games. So. <laughs> except they've been winning games,
3: yeah, but it's been pretty bad. And, um, Hang on, when do, and... when
0: do you next play Newcastle? Because that'll
3: get your season back on. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably what it is. But, um, but you know, the, the, they've got they're entitled to expect more from this team. It's not as if we're a talent and uh, they've, they've really got to sort that out. And, and it's hard to say what will happen. Uh, my instinct says that they probably will replace Lampard, that all the rumours we're hearing is that they're sending out other managers. So I think Lampard might be, be going by the end of this month. Well, That's I was going to ask this question
0: later on, but I think I'll just ask it now. It kind of fits.
3: So yeah.
0: what is it going to take for Frank Lampard to be sacked? I, think, I do think you'll get to the end of the season either way. Um, but do you think not qualifying for the Champions League would be enough
3: for him to lose? If, if, they, if they didn't take full points from the Wolves and Burnley games, I think he's gone. What do you think, mid-season? I think so. I think they might just say, do you know what? I think, I think if he lost again to Wolves uh, next week, I think he could be gone after that game.
0: Well, I think um, if he loses against they Luton, can't risk... he loses against Luton
3: this weekend, then yeah, I mean. yeah, yeah, they can't risk losing the Champions League, and at the moment, it's it's looking a bit ropey You, you know, you're you're um, you're a so. good five points off the pace, and that's that's a lot. And if it goes any further behind you, that's a big ask to make it up, a big ask And, and I don't think yeah. they wear that. I wouldn't, as a fan, and I'm disappointed. I love Lampard, but. So there's times when you think, well, I'm not advocating for him to be sacked, by the way, but I just think they might end up doing it.
0: Well, if he can make it to the 15th of February, then it will be fine, because that's when you next play Newcastle, and I'm sure that'll help. Um, that's his target. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Sorry, by the way.
0: Sorry. Uh, I, I, yeah. Just that's just that's just not. Uh...
3: Well, you know. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, tsh- <laughs> No. That's my Steve Bruce impersonation.
0: We don't, we, do, we, we don't need to talk anymore about Newcastle. <laughs> I regret bringing it up. <laughs> Andy, um, going back to Chelsea and staying on that subject and not Newcastle, Timo Werner, uh, his lack of goal-scoring form has been the topic of quite a lot of debate recently. Um, this season, he's just got four goals in the Premier League, and the last of those came over two months ago in a 4-1 win over Sheffield United it, back in early November. Um what what does Chelsea need to do to unlock the goal scoring form of a man who bagged
2: 34 goals in all competitions last season? It's tough because I only really, really, only ever saw him really in the Champions League game in the World Cup. I never really saw him play for Leipzig, so I don't really know how he played. Um often, think, often drifting out left was his was his main he, staple. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, he struggles to kind of play that once he gets a goal or two he can get on a run. I don't know whether that's what that's what you'd like for Vipsig, but I do think that he's kind of played that course. Cool. So he doesn't start off the season not too badly, so I do think maybe just I think I think he's just lacking confidence. I do think mm. um I do think if, if he just got a few goals in I do think he could potentially go, go on a good run. Um but I just don't think yeah I mean we saw on game, I don't think Midfield's been that great really for Chelsea this season. I don't not think at not at all. Yeah, uh, so I do think that maybe I think obviously there's not having no sort of midfield options to sort of get in the ball. I don't think he's getting opportunities, but now he's obviously now he's not starting as well. I don't I think it's just, it's just further going to dampen his confidence. And I do think the uh, thing is though, like
0: it's 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 not like he hasn't been getting the chances this whole time because no, exactly. Um, if, if I if I if I bring it back to, again, and I know I keep doing this myself, but if I, again, bring it back to um, the last time Chelsea played Newcastle, it's in James's Park earlier in the season. Um, he'd already gone a few games without a goal. Um, mm. People were starting to get on his back about it then. And in that game, he tore Newcastle apart. He absolutely ripped us to shreds all game long and got chance after chance after chance but time and again, watched his shots roll, trickle wide of the post or uh, be clawed out of the net by Carl Darlo or something like that. So I, I don't know what what's going wrong. Maybe he just hasn't got a shooting put on. But he's it's not like he's not getting the chances, is my point.
2: Yeah, I do think, first of all, I think Tuchel will be a dreadful appointment. I don't think they should go near him at all. But I do think one man, who I think, deserves a chance to get a big job. Whether he will leave, I don't know. Steve Bruce. no no chance well you know Uh, (laughs) well you know he's taking the chance (laughs) Um, so I do think if he has a certain ex-manager Julian Nagelsmann if he goes to Chelsea I do think he could be the man to change his fortune I would absolutely love that by the way honestly I would love that I I, I think he's the best the best up and coming young manager I think in Europe so I do think Uh. Yeah, obviously, Leipzig are doing well, so you may stick with them. But I was going think... to say,
0: why Why? Why is it even Leipzig? Yeah. The Leipzig are second in the Bundesliga, yeah,
2: maybe it's just a load of Premier League, may because it's the yeah. Premiership London. and the Premiership's awesome. London as well, London has a big impact, yeah. I think, on getting players. And I remember Sanchez chose Arsenal over us because of that London factor, and the same with William as well. Yeah, um, so I do think, yeah, I do think maybe the London lifestyle, maybe because Chelsea is a big club, so I do think maybe. Or maybe he wants a new challenge, maybe he wants to go somewhere different. Or maybe they often lose a money and he just takes it. I don't know. I, I
0: think the kind of thing I, I think if you want if Chelsea wanted to to poach a manager like Nagelsmann they couldn't do it in the middle of the season. They'd have to wait. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't think sacking Frank Lampard after well in the next few weeks is gonna be the thing to do if the manager that you want to replace him is somebody like Nagelsmann who's in the job where he's settled and doing very well. Hmm.
3: True. The thing is, like, Carlo true. Ancelotti's still in a job as well, so it's not like they could bring him in as a as a a caretaker. <laughs> What's Avram Grant doing these days? <laughs> I <know>. hitting. Well Avram's <laughs> <you know, laughs> a bit of a legend around Chelsea circles these days.
2: <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> bring back hitting for his five thousandth spell as caretaker manager. <laughs> <laughs> you could
0: get
3: Rafa again again. Um oh, oh, oh. Bring in unproven Scotsman Steve McGuinness. <laughs> you
1: know, it, <laughs> it's we? funny. It's funny you actually bring up Abraham Grant because that story has been around now for about a couple for a couple of weeks. Um that there's oh. talk of rather than sacking Lampard of bringing Grant in to kind of give him a bit of support. Um, and I think that could be the daftest move Chelsea could possibly make at this time. Just um, end up um, minding your manager that. Yeah, well one of the one of the things that Chelsea have got a problem with this year, and you could you, you could see it. Um, development it was at the end of last year was mm. Lampard got um, a free ride last year because he had a team with no transfer budget where he had to bring in um, existing players and make them work mm. and he brought in young players but more importantly he brought in young English players and he set mm. that as the balance of his team and this season above him went up and went right I, we want the biggest best talent in the market because we can buy again so they, mm-hmm. they had the budget they went out they bought um, so much expensive talent and the problem with it is Lampard isn't as good at managing those star players as he was at managing the kids that have come through the Chelsea system that know him, that have worked with him, that respect him, and that will literally run through walls for him. Um, and one of the things you can see, one of the key factors in this is you look at the drop-off in form of the English lads this season. Um, Mason Mount mm. is nowhere near the attacking threat he was. Um, Callum Hudson-Odoi, nothing. Loft of cheek, gone to Chelsea – you know, there's no, the, the, the core of the side, the, the core English players who all kind of, they'd all come through the system, they all knew the club, they're all kind of sidelined in favour of these big money stars. And mm-hmm. as soon as one of those big money stars doesn't, you know, perform, Lampard's like, can I actually drop this player? Well, the chairman say to me, hang on, we spent £54 million pound on that guy. He needs to play every week. Um, and I still, I think that's where the problem is. I think Lampard doesn't feel as though he has the confidence to drop his big stars when they underperform.
0: Yeah, I think we're certainly going to um, see what he's made of in the coming weeks um, Moving on from Chelsea to North London to Tottenham uh, The last time we recorded a podcast we'd all been talking about Spurs potentially going on a title charge um, and since then they've fallen quite off the pace as well and they now sit fifth, seven points mm. behind the leaders Andy, you were quite vocal in that you thought uh, Tottenham this could be Tottenham's yet to go and win the league are they still in that race or have they fallen too far back now?
2: I think they are just about in there. I I mean I was biggest advocate I think out of all of us for Spurs winning the league but I I do think that has fallen off. I do think um, I think they've just shown in recent weeks that they just can't hold they, just, they struggled to hold on to leads, and we saw it early on in the season mm. with the West Ham draw. So I do think we've seen in recent weeks maybe Spurs just aren't quite there yet. And I do think mm-hmm. still, maybe now if they do lose a play or two, they are gonna to struggle to sort of make up for that. Um I still think they got a chance because they have got a sort of manager who's won it the most times of anyone in this title race. But at the same time,
3: mm-hmm.
2: he's a different man to who he was ten years ago. Um mm-hmm. I think they got a chance, but I do think they're just they're holding on, holding on by by a small by a small thread.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm not wrong. Yeah. Yeah, Luke, do you think they've got a chance or um, what? what's it going to take for them to get themselves right back among that fight?
3: <sighs> Apart from the other couple of games. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I mean, stating it absolutely obviously obvious, you've just got to get back to actually winning games yeah. and just get that consistency going. Consistency of selection, consistency of tactics, make sure everybody knows their job and just keep doing yeah. the simple things and do it well. It's as simple as that. I mean, there's no magic formula except working really, really hard. Yeah. And, and when you're down, you've got to work even harder. And, and you know, everyone knows about that. You, you've seen it so many times. That's what they've got to do. It sounds simple, but that's it, really.
0: Yeah. I mean, Steve, uh, if you look at the next few fixtures for Tottenham, they've got Liverpool at home, Brighton away, then Chelsea at home. How mm-hmm. crucial is
1: it that they pick up some serious points in that in
0: those three games?
1: Well, if you take that on current form, I'd say Spurs should pick up uh, six points out of nine for that. Very possibly nine points out of nine. Um two two of those teams are in free fall right now. their, their form has fallen off a cliff and they can't score. and they've got big money talent that's not performing. Um and one of them, uh, you know, and, and you know, and one of them's Liverpool. Um No the the that, that the the Son and Kane combination has not gone away it's still there it's still potent uh it's still it's still winning games um one of the things about Spurs recently is Ndombele's finally coming at the kind of form that they paid all that money for um Mm. at the start of the season we were talking about having been a complete waste of time and we were talking about getting sold you know taking a big loss on it yeah but remember pre-season there was talk Mourinho and and Ndombele got a fine for going out during the lockdown Mm. training together in, in in some one of the the open parks in London um but it does seem as though finally Ndombele has listened to his manager and he's doing what he wants. And that has coincided with Spurs. Yes, they're, they're, they're a little wobbly just now, but that's more the players around them. Um, one of the problems with Spurs is that um, unlike the other, the, the other maybe top five, top six teams, mm. you lose one player in Spurs and they fall apart. You know, if you lose that's a Kane, true. if you lose a Son, even if you lose an Ndombele, um, you Ndombele, they wobble. And they go from wins to draws. And Jose doesn't have that kind of, he doesn't have that ability to get the gung-ho mentality out of his players because he doesn't have the gung-ho mentality as a, as a manager. Mm. You know, When you're in the 80th minute and Spurs are drawing 0-0, you put your tenor on, on the minute match finishing 0-0, you don't put it on Spurs getting a late goal. You, no. know, you put Spurs, if Spurs score in the first 10, 15, 20 minutes of a game, then you put money on them to win because they'll grind it out. They'll they'll drop into Mourinho's formation. They know how to keep the ball. They know how to keep the ball away from their opponents. That's where they'll go. And that's why, you know, those those draws that should be wins are just not happening for them. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is if you look at
0: uh, the if you look at the Premier League table, you'll see that Tottenham are another one of those teams who have a game in hand. Um I'm not sure who that game in hand is actually against, but it's they do have one game in hand on Liverpool, on Leicester, and on Manchester United, um, having played 18, same as Manchester City. Um, if they win that, they jump Liverpool, and then if they beat Liverpool, um, which is their next Premier League game, which, as you say, given the form of Liverpool, is entirely possible, and then all of a sudden there's a five point gap between Liverpool and the top four, and then there is uh, that puts Tottenham right back in that mix as well,
1: yeah. Yeah, so oh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, and what Plottenham have already shown this season is they have the ability to beat the top four, hmm. uh, they have the ability on the day to beat almost any of the top four. Um, and especially, I mean, if they I'm not sure when they play City, and um, but it, it right now, out um, if I'm any of the top four managers, that's now is when I want to play City when they're lacking they're the key playmaker. Um, and I, I think I don't know, Spurs are one of those teams that. They are likely to go out there and, you know, beat Liverpool, beat Brighton, beat Chelsea, and then the following week drop points to Burnley. Um, they play I mean, City um, the... on the 13th of February, by the way. No, that's perfect. Um, let's mm. see, what's um, De Bruyne is out for six weeks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, at the Etihad, but I can I can see Spurs nicking that, or at the very least getting a draw out of it. But I'm, I'm looking at the next 10 games. The next 10 games are actually pretty good for them. I um, mm. see yeah. they have Liverpool, which on current form could be a win. Brighton away, yep, they could, they could win that. Then they got Chelsea at home, West Brom at home, um, City away without De Bruyne. Then they got West Ham, Burnley, Palace. I mean, right up until they play Arsenal on the 13th of March, I don't see any games that I really see Spurs struggling to take points from.
0: Interesting take. It'll be real, it will be interesting to see if it comes to fruition in that regard, because... I think the problem that um, obviously one of you guys mentioned it before. The problem that Spurs have had is closing out games, and um, mm. a lot of the time, a lot of the time when there's a team in bad form, you can look at the team and you can look at the, the the basically the personnel that's being fielded in each position, and you can see a significant issue there. With Spurs, there is no real issue, I don't think. I think maybe the issue is uh, the style of play, and it's the going one nil up and. Resting on your laurels. I think that's kind of might have been what's cost Spurs a little bit in the last
1: few weeks, would you agree, Luke? i i yes. with that. I mean Spurs problem is that they have Harry Winks playing for them and then Harry Winks is stealing a living.
0: <laughs> All <laughs> right, He's right Here, out there with Patrick Bamford. He's right <laughs> out there with Patrick
1: Bamford stealing a living.
0: Patrick Bamford. <laughs> <laughs> you mean eight like what? Eight or nine goal, Patrick Bamford.
1: That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> You I will never, I will, you know, I will never turn, change my opinion on that. Even, even though I won cash off him a couple of months ago. Um, Steve, I'm no, signing won- up to the Harry Winks fan club. By the way, do you know that? <laughs> oh, course? honestly, honestly, Harry, Harry you're Winks,
3: you're going to be that and the, that and the Patrick Bamford fan club. You're going to get emails from them galore. You're going to love it, <sighs> honestly.
1: <laughs> I, I see Harry Winks is one of those players, and I, I don't get this. This is it's the kind of it's the the young English player um phenomenon. Uh, so a player he breaks into the first team and suddenly he's he's an established England international. And I've looked at him and I went, is he defensive midfielder? Is he an attacking midfielder? Is he a centre back? Is he a creative midfielder? Oh, he's a utility player, which means they don't know what to do with him. He's quite fit, he can tackle well, his passion's not bad. Let's stick him in the middle of the park and see what happens. And he's English, and fans will
3: love him. And he can let That's... you down badly in a number of positions.
1: Will. Harry Winks is one of those players that I know he's not he's not playing as often as possible, which is you know one of the, the few positives for Spurs this season. <laughs> just you know, yeah, he came through the youth system, therefore he's not as expensive to keep as as the likes about an imported talent. But um, oh my god, it's just you know, he would You're not a fan he, then, Steve. No, not he, a fan. he could go and play for Newcastle, <laughs> and he'd look worse <laughs> than the eleven players they've got out there. Don't start, Steve. Come on. (laughs) Don't start.
3: Come on, Steve. Come on, that's... I mean, next you'll be seeing a big game for Celtic. No, sorry, I had to mute Luke. No, no, no. I've got to stop you there
1: That's just That's the way (laughs) it's just yeah.
0: (laughs) He's getting a little bit too cheeky with his uh, Newcastle jibes there. I had to mute him. Uh, Andy, (laughs) is... is, I've got a question first. Is Harry Winks the man to blame for coronavirus? Uh, Steve. Steve might. Just... Well, they,
2: they, they do say that he's football's equivalent of getting a ham and cheese sandwich in a meal deal. I think that's that's what they say on <laughs> <social> media. Uh,
1: <laughs>
2: love it. We're getting the uh, getting vanilla. To, yeah, like getting like ready, ready salted crisps or something. Or yeah, I, I yeah, it's, t- it's not I, a I, stuff I, pasty, I, uh,
3: pasty. Is he? Oh, I, mean, I kind
0: of wish you'd stop probably. on that as well because you're just describing my ideal meal deal there <laughs> ham and cheese sandwich ready salt and crisp that's my go-to <laughs> well that's something,
2: something definitely on
3: the wrong, on Harry Winks is the egg mayonnaise sandwich or football oh, no, the, video. Mayo, there, that's it <laughs> he's egg and cress. he's, yeah, cress. And cress. <laughs> he's egg and <laughs> egg and crisp. <laughs> that's, that's it package. yeah
1: that, that's a hell yeah, of that's, it. that's it. You know, we've a an entire podcast on this where we describe all the top players in the Premier League based on the sandwich. William oh, that's, a, that's an outstanding
3: I, idea. We're going to have to write that down. Listen, uh, next William, week's podcast.
0: <laughs>
3: William is the all-day breakfast of sandwiches. There you go. <laughs> have you had one of these all-day breakfast sandwiches that I'm just satisfying? Oh, That, that's, that was that, William and his prime. He was tremendous, honestly, banging. I
2: oh. think we'll cool, call... Um, <laughs> the uh, Marmite sandwich. <laughs> Just disgusting and leaving a bad taste in your mouth. <laughs> my, my, my go-to
1: is, is corned beef, cheese and pickle and I'm struggling to think who would be a sandwich that's corned beef, cheese and pickle it uh, tastes amazing that's but a leaves sh- a little bit of heartburn afterwards that's a yeah. Sean Dyche sandwich that one no no no, no That's, that's, <laughs> that's Sean, Sean Dyche's on. sandwich <laughs> is going to be the plate. Sean Dye's sandwich is going to be two bits of bread with some butter on it
0: that's it that's yeah. a Sean Dyche sandwich yeah. oh, I was no going to say friend. Sean Dyche is a chip butty all day chip <laughs> butty
2: I think you're right there actually I think you're right there from Burnley I, I, think, <laughs> I think I think Sam's the um, dodgy kebab that gives you food poisoning the next day Probably. Oh, no. no, no, I, yeah. I think yeah. that, I
0: think that could be Steve Bruce as well. Um, <laughs> now you've that got uh, then you've got John Joe Shelby who's just a bit of he's just a bit of mouldy ham slapped in between two bits. Of <laughs>
1: <a> <laughs> yeah, the thing is, if it's a John Joe Shelby sandwiches, the mouldy ham slaps you back. So at least I've got. At least
0: I've
3: got. I'm not sure I even want to describe Kyle Walker in terms of a sandwich.
1: I don't think it's going to be tasty. All it's just all we'll say way. about it is it'd be very, very messy. That's it. A lot, a lot of different toppings, none of them really going
0: together. <laughs> what the Americans would call a sloppy Joe, that's Kyle
3: Walker, isn't it? <laughs>
1: Skanky Joe. Oh, oh, oh dear. He's, he's right. like twice of his dressing room. He's the killer, he'd, he'd be in there, he'd have a couple of women with him, and he'd basically say to him, you know, shut the door, you're letting all the stank out. That, that's, that's Kyle Walker.
0: <laughs> he's basically, do you know what it is? Kyle Walker, what he is, is a fraud, so he's basically a meat substitute sandwich, is what he is, it's like a vegan sandwich.
1: <laughs> he's What's... the Linda McCartney of sandwiches. <laughs> <The> Linda McCartney. <laughs>
3: Uh, anyway, we
0: need
1: to the stop skinky, talking about sandwiches.
3: The skinky Linda McCartney. That <laughs> terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, we are gonna get a zero rating in the podcast this week, <laughs> actually. I mean, Kyle Walker's we gonna be, be very messages. disappointed.
0: I, I, I think this is the best conversation we've ever had on this on this podcast, actually. <laughs> Never mind a zero rating. Anyway, well, I think I was going to uh, I was going to ask one more question but I think now is about a good time to end this um, I think that's a good good way to end it as well talking about sandwiches comparing all the Premier League players to sandwiches so I think we'll just wrap it up there that is all we've got time for so do be sure to tune in again next week when we'll be back to debate another week of football headlines from around the Premier League and beyond thank you very much for listening and we'll see you then